What we've got here is failure to communicate. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Tough, unique, bad, bold, and sassy. 60% of the time, it works every time. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Take the pain. Take the pain! Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Today, Junior? It's too late to turn back now. It's the Brian Hanks Show. Indeed it is, John. Indeed it is. Hello, live and on tape. From lovely Whitehall Drive here in the beautiful city of Kinston, North Carolina. It's Monday, February the 27th in the year of our Lord 2023. This is episode 810 of the Brian Hanks Show presented by Lenore Community College. My co-host, who you love and adore as much as I do, John Dawson and Jonathan Massey. They'll be joining me at the end of the second hour today for the birthday game. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you, we have another great show for you here today. Joining me in our first hour, it's our regular Monday guest. He's a knower of all things NASCAR, NHL, Carolina Hurricanes, PBR, both the beverage and the competition. It's our friend Paul Whittington. We're going to be talking to him about the final NASCAR Cup Series Super Speedway race in Fontana, California yesterday. Kind of a disappointing finish to me anyway, and I know he's – I'm just going to go ahead and, you know what, I'm probably just going to turn my mic off and just let him just rave and rave. Let me tell you something. The Chevys did great in Fontana yesterday. The uh, – one of my – if not my – well, he's probably my second least favorite driver. Uh, Kyle Busch ends up with a win, and just he's had a dominant start to this season, that's for sure, and – he looked good, and, uh, man, like I said, the Chevys looked good yesterday. Well, we'll be talking to him about that. We're going to be talking about the Hurricanes as they're making a run right now to the uh, to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Still got a couple weeks left. In fact, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be seeing them live and in person a week from tomorrow. Thank you, Hot Linda. I'm excited about that. And um, just so much more. We're going to uh, – we are, uh, again, very, very excited uh, about having uh, Paul on here in a few moments to, uh, in a few minutes, probably about 15 minutes from now, to talk about all that stuff. Uh, but, man, I'm telling you right now, we have got, I mean, I, you know, listen, one thing we're very blessed with here in Kenston, Lenora County, is just the, uh, are the uh, professional athletes that we have here. And, uh, man, we're going to have two of them on right here. On these very airwaves in our second hour, uh, we're going to begin the second hour with uh, how many times can you say you've had a Super Bowl winning player in your home or in your studio? Well, I can say that this morning uh, because we're going to have the great Derek Rivers of the Houston Texans joining us here, sitting right across from me. Man, I got to tell you, I've already got and I know he, he plays for the Texans now. But I've got his, uh, I've got his uh, New England Patriots jersey hanging here behind me, which has been hanging here behind me uh, for what a couple of years now, or three years while we've been doing the show, and uh, so he's going to sign that for me. I, oh, wait a minute, I'm talking about myself. Let me talk about uh, the show here. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna be joining us uh, live, like I said, live right here in our, our plush, well lit studio here on Whitehall Drive. Again, it's not every day you can say you've got a Super Bowl winning player sitting here across from you. I can't wait for that, but wait, there's more. Joining us about five minutes into our second hour, uh, Derek's sister and just uh, all around one of my favorite athletes that's ever come through Kinston High School, Lydia Rivers. She's going to be uh, joining us on her Spent Automotive guest line live from Texas. Now, here's the deal. Now, nobody call her and let her know, okay, because Derek wanted this to be a surprise. And, uh, you know, she's in Texas, so I imagine she's probably not listening to the show right now, which, you know, is all good and everything because, well, you know, she's in Texas. And uh, she just wrapped up a, a season of professional basketball overseas, and she's playing now for, well, we'll get all the details, but she's playing for a professional traveling team right now. Uh, and I can't wait to talk to her about that. But here's the neat thing. Like I said, don't tell her now. If you're listening Keith Spence, don't you text Lydia Rivers and tell her that she's going to be joining us so uh, on her uh, on her Spence Automotive guest line, but that Derek is going to be here with us too. 
and I'm going to have them ask questions of each other. It just I want to find out. I mean, it's amazing. You talk about a family, and then their little sister Elena too, who's just a great athlete in her own uh, in her own right. It's just so neat that that family has produced an NFL player, a professional basketball player. Uh, and then, uh, they're related to Michael Jenkins who, you know, played overseas for years and years and years and who is now an assistant coach, uh, in, in the college ranks, just an amazing family. And, uh, how about that though, guys, Derek rivers, Lydia rivers in our second hour, one of them live here in my studio, one of them on her Spence automotive guest line. It's just going to be a, uh, I just can't wait, man. It's going to be a, uh, a heck heck of a second hour here on uh, the brian hanks show so uh, again paul whittington coming up here in about 10 minutes or so Derek rivers lydia rivers uh in our second hour it's just going to be uh it's going to be one of those all-timer shows we've been lucky to have them uh in our what in our 810 shows uh, this is going to be one we're going to be talking about for a long time. I know. Can't wait. Listen, uh, saw so many of you guys out at the freedom classic all weekend. What a great freedom Classic! It's one of the, one of the best we've ever had. The, uh, 12th, uh, freedom classic wrapped up yesterday. It was a four to one win for uh, the air force. However, Navy won their four or the one, their fifth title. How about this? Try this on for size. Uh, they've played each other now, uh, 11 times that, uh, air force and Navy has, if you remember air force had to take on the uh, army back in 2021 in the, uh, because Navy couldn't come because of COVID, but they've played each other 11 times. They're tied five series to five series to one. They've won the exact same amount of games. It is just, it's crazy. Uh, what has happened with, uh, with these two teams. And uh, again, congratulations to uh, Paul Costacopoulos and Navy. But you know what? Congratulations to Kenston. Man, I, just so many people to praise. Scott Austin, Josh Bass, uh, L- uh, Lynetta Powell. You know, we had them on Friday's show talking about it. Put on an amazing Freedom Classic. So many fans out there that we ran out of food two or three times. But man, Bill Ellis, Scott Austin, Josh Bass, Lynetta everybody running to go get more food. It was just, it was an amazing weekend. We had more than 1800 fans Friday night, Saturday, when nobody else played baseball in our neck, of the woods or played any kind of outdoor sports. I got to give, and I got to tell you, I was like, there's no way we're getting that game in for uh, Saturday. Uh, it was like an 80% chance of rain, but I'm telling you, uh, between Steven, the groundskeeper out at, uh, Granger stadium and Paul Costacopoulos, the Navy coach and Mike Kaslowski, the head coach of the air force, they looked at the, the radar. They looked at the, everything and said, you know what? If we start the game an hour earlier on Saturday, I think we can get this thing in and doggone if they didn't. Now there's some sprinkles out there, but it never poured rain out there until the game was over it lasted about two hours and 20 minutes they got the game in and uh just an amazing amazing game but about 800 fans or so came out saturday which i'm surprised there were that many to tell you the truth and then on uh then yesterday it was just gorgeous out there we had about 15 1600 fans that uh, attended the game yesterday so when you add all that up together more than 4,000 fans again showed up this weekend for the freedom classic and I mean, all kudos, absolutely all kudos go out to you fans who came out there all weekend. It was just, uh, it, just a great spectacle. It was beautiful. Uh, man, I've never, this is the 12th time we've done the, uh, freedom classic. Like I said, I have never seen as many tailgaters as we had out at historic Granger stadium where I always park, uh, which is on one of the streets. I park like right next because I, I don't want my windows to be uh, broken by a baseball. So I park as far away as possible. But I'm telling you, they had a group of Navy uh, tailgaters, uh, Navy parents who were there. And every day there was anywhere between 15 to 30 people tailgating uh, with Navy. And it was just, it was awesome. The food smelled great. I didn't ask for any. I just walked by. But I'm telling you. And then on the other side of the parking lot, the Air Force parents were tailgating. So, uh, again, just a, a great crowd all weekend long. The gear looked great, man. I have got to tell you about this. Uh, on Sunday, the air force Academy wore, uh, these just sweet camouflage jerseys. Uh, just, uh, and if you know the service academies, they always have the best, uh, uniforms. I mean, whether it's football or baseball or whatever, and, I was a little bit confused because the air force players were coming to, you know, with me doing the public address 
they're coming to bat and their, their numbers were right, but the names were different on the back of their jerseys. I'm like, what the heck? So I turned around and I asked, uh, the, uh, the air force SID, which by the way, much love to air force and Navy, their SIDs were just amazing. But I turned around and asked the, uh, air force SI, uh, sports information director, you know, what is with the wrong names being on the jerseys? And he really solemnly told me this. I thought it was really cool that, uh, the air force Academy, they had the names of fallen pilots, air force pilots during Vietnam. That's what they were wearing on the back of their jerseys. It's a Mike Keselowski, as you know, a former fighter pilot himself. And, uh, that's the way that they honored the, the fallen pilots from, uh, the, from Vietnam that were in, I, I think they were all air force. They might've been some Navy, uh, pilots on the names on the back, but I'm pretty sure it was all air force anyway, regardless. Uh, it was just an amazing gesture and it put a little lump in my throat when you see these, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old, uh, baseball players out there for air force wearing the names of of men that went before them that, uh, you know, flew fighter or fighter jets during uh, Vietnam and they're wearing their names on the back of their jerseys. It was just, it was very moving. I don't know any other way to put it, but, uh, it was just an amazing weekend. Like I said, uh, again, congratulations to Navy. Uh, they won their second, uh, freedom classic or second, second in a row freedom classic. They won last year. They won this year. They've now tied air force. And the total of uh, five to five, they tied once in 2012 when they played four games that year, and it was a two to two. They've won the each team has won 17 games. It, it's just amazing. Their run differential is, uh, I believe, uh, Navy has two more runs than Air Force the entire time. It's just, it's amazing, and I, I, it's bittersweet because. There's a part of me, you know, it's a lot of work going in this. Uh, and not that I did that much. I'm telling you, uh, the organizers and the Robin Godfrey's and the, uh, goodness gracious, the April Houston's. And I know I'm going to leave names out here and not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm telling you, they had a team of probably 30, 35, 40 volunteers. And then, of course, it's just a great job that the Parks and Rec Commission does every year putting this thing on. But kudos to everybody that was a part of that. Earl Keith, Mar Mary Margaret Keith, who, by the way, her birthday is today, and we'll get to her in the birthday game. Uh, Les Shrum uh, from uh, the Air Force, who lives up in Goldsboro, who always helps us do our flyovers. Man, the flyover was great yesterday. <sighs> I just can't say enough, man. I mean, it is awesome to, uh, to, to put this thing on every year and to be just a very, 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 very small part of it. Uh, I didn't go to the banquet Saturday night, but uh, Representative Don Davis spoke, and everybody that I talked to said he just blew blew everybody away that it was a great thing. And again, it just what what a great event that this comes every year. I cannot wait for next year's. And I'll tell you what, it always does every year. It whets my appetite for uh, the Down East Wood Ducks because we're going to have Woody's baseball here in about what. This is uh, February 27th, so what, about five weeks? In about five weeks, we're going to have baseball back in Kansas professional baseball. Can't wait for that. And, uh, again, if you miss the Freedom Classic, uh, dude, it's on you because it was just an amazing experience this weekend. Hey, uh, before we jump into our Hometown Heroes update, let's thank uh, our good friends over at Lenore Community College. For almost 65 years, LCC has helped men and women in our area tangibly improve their lives. LCC's mission is to meet the personal, cultural, and professional educational needs of its students through affordable, accessible, and innovative educational programs. LCC has its main campus right here in Kinston at 231 Highway 58 South, but it also has satellite campuses in Greene County and Jones County. Call LCC at 252-527-6223. Visit their website at lenorecc.edu or visit one of the beautiful campuses in Kinston, Snow Hill, or Trenton to find out how you can change your life today. And uh, thank you so much. Richie Honeycutt, who is back from Disney. Man, what, I saw all her uh, awesome pictures with her and her uh, daughter, son-in-law, and her just gorgeous uh, granddaughter. Her very first trip, not Richie's. I'm sure Richie's gone before, but her granddaughter's first trip to Disney. And just, man, Linda and I every day were just looking at those pictures and going, oh, oh, oh. They were just so awesome. So glad to have Richie back, though, uh, back in uh, God's country here in Lenore County. And, man, again, thank you to uh, Richie and Dr. Rusty Hunt and all the folks over at Lenore Community College for uh, – being the title sponsor of the Brian Hanks show, cannot tell you how much we appreciate them. Let's talk about LCC. How about that Lancers basketball team? They closed out the regular season uh, with their third straight win. 
Friday at home uh, versus Guilford Tech, 101 to 97. However, Saturday they lost at nationally ranked Davidson Davy, uh, 113 to 84. Incredible finish of the regular season by the Lancers and head coach Chris Brown, who won four of their final seven games. Uh, they're six and 22 right now to end the regular season. But wait. They're going to be playing in the postseason. They play at Patrick and Henry tomorrow in the first round of the uh, of the Region 10 tournament. Thank you, Coach Shelly Barnes. I sent her a message, uh, I don't know, about 10 minutes before the show started. She immediately answered like she always does. Coach Barnes is the best. And I'll tell you what, we may try to get uh, Coach Brown here on the phone with us tomorrow or on the show here with us tomorrow to talk about the uh, postseason. Just the way they uh, they – Wrapped up this regular season, man. I mean, again, you see six and twenty-two as an overall record, and you're like, well, let me tell you something. This team was, uh, like I said, won four of their final seven games, and then gave everybody else a game too. So, uh, congratulations to the Lancers for the way they uh, wrapped up the regular season, and good luck tomorrow night. And again, we're going to try to get uh, Coach Brown on the line with us tomorrow. Uh, just give us a little quick preview of uh, the uh, Region Ten game, which will be at Patrick and Henry tomorrow. And again, thank you so much, Coach Shelley Barnes, for helping us out with that. The Lancers baseball team, they dropped two of three this past weekend against uh, a Division One team, against uh, NJCAA Division One's Gaston College, who uh, played uh, deep in the postseason last year. But they uh, dropped two of three games there, now 10-5 and five overall. And uh, they are going to be at home uh, you know what I've got this. I know they're on the road against the uh, uh, North Carolina Wesleyan. Sorry, North Carolina Wesleyan on Wednesday at two o'clock, and then their uh, Saturday doubleheader this weekend. Region Ten doubleheader is at Brunswick, and that'll be on Saturday. But they're home at one o'clock uh, this coming weekend, so you'll get a chance to see the Lancers, and I hope to get out there myself and get to see them on uh, on Sunday at one o'clock. So, uh, they will be taking on Brunswick there. And that's one of the teams that, uh, are a very good team in uh, division two region 10. So a good chance to get out there and see that. How about our NBA players? That's right. The NBA was back in action as they started back after the all-star break this past Thursday, but, uh, Brandon and the Pelicans, uh, they lost on Saturday, 128 to 106. Brandon started the game. He had 19 points, four assists, and three rebounds in 36 minutes. Uh, they are now in 10th place, so they're just barely holding on to uh, being the postseason. Uh, but, uh, man, a good I think a very good week in front of them here. They're home versus Orlando today at 8 o'clock. They're at Portland Wednesday at 10 p.m. That game is going to be on ESPN, though. And then they're at Golden State on Friday at 10. How about Reggie and the sixth-place Dallas Mavericks? They lost at home last night, 111 to 108. Uh, Reggie started the game. He had six points, five rebounds, two assists, and a steal in 30 minutes. And this is what's crazy. Check this schedule out. We are going to be all week long talking about uh, Brandon and Reggie play on different nights every week. In fact, Mavericks are home all week. They're uh, tomorrow night. They're home versus Indiana. Thursday versus Philadelphia at seven thirty, and that'll be on TNT. And then on Sunday they'll be at home at one o'clock. That'll be on WCTI ABC twelve as they take on Phoenix. But I just thought that was neat. That okay tonight the Pelicans play. Tomorrow uh, the Mavericks play. Wednesday the uh, Pelicans play. Thursday the the Mavericks play. Uh, Friday, uh, the Pelicans play both teams are off on Saturday and then the, uh, Mavericks play on Sunday. So just, it's kind of a, one of those, uh, schedule schedule anomalies that you don't really see a whole lot, but I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, how about, uh, Dontre styles in Carolina? Yes, Mr. Clemens. I'm not really excited to talk about this, but, uh, Carolina one at home versus Virginia Saturday night, 71 to 63 It's Carolina's second straight victory. And they're doing their best to get back into the NCAA tournament, uh, a big win for them against Virginia. And that's all everybody can talk about. But listen, congratulations, to Carolina Trez didn't play, unfortunately, but Carolina did come up with that win. They play tonight at seven o'clock Trez and uh, Carolina does at Florida state. If you saw the end of that Florida state game, they were down by 25 points against uh oh man some breaking news uh, man some breaking news uh terry holland has passed away uh paul whittington just sent me this uh man okay now I, i'm even more depressed than i was uh uh 
I tell you what, why don't we get him up here on the line with us right now? I was going to wait another minute or two, but uh, we'll go ahead and get uh, him on the line with us right now. Man, that's bad news. Well, I tell you what, let me finish telling you about. Uh, so, uh, Carolina, they play at home uh, or at at Florida State tonight at seven. Then they're home versus Duke on uh, Sunday. And yeah, Spence, I saw that. Yeah, they overcome uh, overcame a 25, 28 point deficit to uh, come back and beat, uh, or Florida State overcoming that deficit to come back and beat Miami. And uh, Paul, I, you've thrown me off my game, but it's all right. Man, just heart wrenching, heartbreaking news that it, I guess is just breaking right now. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about it, Paul. Yeah, the story broke about 30 minutes ago. The, the former uh, UVA basketball coach and uh, athletic director at East Carolina, Terry Holland, passed away this morning after his uh, fight with Alzheimer's. Heartbroken, man. I'm telling you. I yeah. mean, you want to talk about, man, Terry Holland was my first favorite coach. I mean, he coached the University of Virginia, what, from 1975 or so? For uh, I don't know, 18, 19 years, however long it was, and uh, he recruited Ralph Sampson to uh, to the University of Virginia. And those before the the late, you know, the last five or six or seven or eight years or so of Virginia basketball, those were the glory years for Virginia. From uh, what from eighty to uh, eighty six or so, when uh, when Ralph Sampson was a national player of the year, three years. I got to tell you, can I, may I share a Terry? I know we're we're cutting into. Yeah. All our talk, but can I share a Terry Holland story with you? Absolutely. Man, uh, Tina and I were at the ACC tournament in 2014 in Greensboro. And if you remember, that was the first ACC tournament that uh, Virginia won since 1976. And yes, I was alive in 1976, but I, I don't remember that at all. I mean, I was only seven years old at the time. Uh, really wasn't much of a, I wasn't much of, I, I know you were a sports <laughs> fan at seven, Paul, but I wasn't much of a sports fan at seven, dude. <laughs> but, uh, so it's 2014 uh, and I was there as a fan. I mean, I was credentialed, but, uh, Virginia plays Duke for the, uh, ACC tournament championship. They beat them. And I'm not ashamed to tell you, Paul, and you can, you won't, some people will scoff and laugh at me, but dude, I cried like a baby. I'm sitting there in the stands, you know, again, what, 2014, I'm a, I'm a 45 year old man, you know, with my Ralph Sampson Jersey on and just, just crying. Cause I never thought I'd see it. I mean, bear in mind, dude, I'd pulled for Virginia my, and I still do my entire life. I'd never seen Virginia win an ACC tournament championship. So, uh, I mean, I sat in my seat, uh, when they did the, uh, what, when they blow the confetti up in there and it was coming down the stands, I've still got my hand full of confetti in a, in a Ziploc bag somewhere here in my house from that game. So I'm just sitting there and they, they had to run me out of my seat because even after they did the, uh, you know, cut down the nets and the, uh, the celebration, everything on the court and, you know, presenting them the trophy. I just didn't want to leave. I don't know if you've ever been like at a yeah. game before, Paul, but I just, I couldn't leave. I just, I sat there and literally an usher had to say, sir, they're closing up the Coliseum. I mean, the players are already back in the, you know, in their locker room. I just, I just didn't want to leave, man. So I did. I got, right. I finally, you know, uh, finally got up. I'm still, you know, just very emotional. We're walking around the concourse at uh, at the Greensboro Coliseum, and I see this this tall man coming. And bear in mind, the hall the concourse is almost empty. I mean, everybody had left for the most part. I mean, there's still a couple hundred people probably walking around the concourse, and this tall man is walking towards us. And I'm like, no, there's no 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 way, <laughs> dude. It was Terry Holland. That's crazy. And so I, dude, you know, I mean, after all that emotion and everything, I mean, I walked up to him and, you know, he saw me, of course, wearing my Samson jersey and my, you know, my orange Virginia Samson jersey. And he's like, uh, or I, I'm like, sir, I was like, coach, I'd love to get a picture. Oh, of course, man. He put his big old arms around me and pulled me tight. Like <laughs> I was like, I was his son or something, man. And, and I've got that picture. I'll have to post that picture. One of one of my most proud pictures that I've got too, uh, of me and Terry Holland and, uh, right after, I mean, he was just giddy. He had his orange tie on. I mean, he was just, he was as giddy as I was, man. And I told him, I was like, I, I didn't think I'd ever see this. And he said, you know what? Me either, but it was great. And it just, <laughs> it was awesome. And 
when I saw the news about Terry Holland uh, being sick, it came out, I guess, as uh, Tony Bennett was approaching the, uh, the all-time coaching record at Virginia, mm-hmm. and uh, yep. they announced that he uh, had Alzheimer's, and it just it, it just broke my heart. And then for him to pass away this morning, goodness gracious, Paul, I'm just – I'm heartbroken, dude. Yeah, he was definitely one of the good guys. Um, I, I, of course, didn't know him from his time in Virginia, I knew him as the, as the athletic director at, at ECU, always, uh, always a, a great guy to talk to, willing to talk to as many fans as, as wanted to talk to him. Uh, I just, I, I remember him, uh, a lot of basketball games, just, uh, standing right there at the door, uh, behind one of the, behind one of the goals, um, his, his tall self and his purple tie all the time. Uh, just uh, a class act, uh, a great guy, and, and he did a lot for ECU. Um, and it's certainly sad news this morning. Just heartbroken. Just absolutely heartbroken. Um, tell me, you know what, dude? You, I mean, and I covered uh, ECU for a bit while he was the AD, mm-hmm. but you being – I mean, you can give a unique perspective to this, Paul. I mean, being as big a Pirates fan as you are and a grad and everything, what did Terry Holland mean? And I, I can tell you what he meant to Virginia. I mean, uh, until yeah. uh, until uh, Tony Bennett broke the coaching record, he was the all-time leading uh, coach in wins. I mean, he took us to the Final Four in 81 and 84. Uh, just what, I can tell you what he meant to Virginia basketball and Virginia athletics. What did he mean to you? What did he mean to ECU athletics? Yeah, I mean, I guess – he was uh, he was the athletic director when I when I started there as a as a student. Um, had a chance to to talk with him a couple of times just at basketball games, shake his hands. Uh, uh, he was just a, a phenomenal person. Uh, did a lot for for ECU. You know he um, he was he was the athletic director there when they brought in the uh, the big the big practice facility for the for the basketball team. Um, I wasn't. Was he the AD when they built the baseball stadium? I believe so. Yeah. He got yeah he got there in two thousand and four, and that stadium opened in what two thousand six, I think it was. Um, he um, he was the AD there when they brought in the baseball stadium. Uh, he was the the AD that helped hire Jeff Comfort. Not one of not one of our, our best memories as Pirate fans, but that's okay. We don't hold it against Gary Holland. Um, <laughs> but uh, just just a phenomenal person that that poured his heart and soul into in the ECU and was, like I said, just a, a phenomenal guy that, um, would talk to anybody, uh, just a, a great, great human being. Well, again, I, as you were saying that I was kind of lo- just quickly looking over Twitter and, uh, the kudos and the, uh, just everybody pouring in their thoughts of it too. And I thank you. Thank you for sending me that. I, I appreciate that, Paul. I would have had no idea if you hadn't sent that to me until after the show ended. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about him a little bit right now because I'm telling you, he, uh, I mean, th- this one, this one hits a little differently, man, you know? Yeah. Yep. Certainly does. That voice you're listening to, it is Paul Whittington joining us here on the Brian Hank show this morning. He's our regular Monday guest and a, a sad way to start. Uh, you're appearing, dude. I didn't even, I didn't even play your walk-up music, man. I, <laughs> hold on, hold on. We're doing that. That's one of my neat things that uh, we're doing here. Let's see, let's see, let's get it going here. Uh, uh. Paul Whittington joining us this morning here on the Brian Hank. So there you go. There's your proper star, or your proper walk-up. Here you go. I appreciate it. Hey, tell us a little bit. What is this song here? Uh, this is "Somebody's Got to Be Country" by uh, Easton Corbin. Yeah, there you go. Here, we'll listen to a couple bars of it for you. Gas up my four wheel drive. I keep Alan Jackson playing on the radio. Wait a minute. Do you keep Alan Jackson playing on the radio? Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. I do. That was the dumbest question I've ever asked because, yes, I know you do anyway. So uh, there you go, dude. Uh, that, uh, how does it feel to have your own walk up song, man? I like it. I like it. It feels feels good. Great, great way to start the morning. There you go. Uh, let's uh, let's just jump right into it, dude. Uh, got home from the Freedom Classic yesterday and got to watch pretty much the entire uh, the final stage of uh, the Super Speedway race in Fontana yesterday. <sighs> man, as as if I man, you want to talk about a bad sports weekend, dude? That I and yes, I'm sorry, I'm making it about me at this moment, but I mean, Virginia loses to Carolina. Uh, just, you know. All our teams got knocked out of the state playoffs over the weekend, uh, or you know, before the weekend, I guess on Thursday. But I, I kind of consider that weekend eve or whatever. But 
Um, mm-hmm. I guess the, the high point, though, was uh, ECU uh, sweeping uh, Carolina in two games this weekend in baseball. But uh, other than that, I mean, just it was kind of a kind of a bad sports weekend for me, dude. And then, you know, this Terry Holland news on top of it just, you know, makes it that much worse or whatever. But it, and then in Fontana, man, Chevy, 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 my second least like driver wins because, you know, I can't stand uh, Kyle Larson. I mean, he's number one uh, on my most hated list. But I got to tell you, Kyle Busch isn't far from the top, man. Uh, but, uh, he comes up with a big win and they have had a, uh, a, a great start to, uh, or he, he and the eight team, they've had a great start to the season. You know what though? I don't know, but about 2% about NASCAR as much as you do, Paul Whittington, take it away. Fontana yesterday. Yeah. The final race on the, uh, on the two mile layout there at Fontana NASCAR over the weekend announced that they had sold, uh, uh, the vast majority of the property for a cool half a billion dollars, half a billion with a B. Wow. Um, they're gonna they're gonna reconstruct it into a half mile high bait short track. Uh, it'll be a little a little reminiscent in look to uh, to the Martinsville Speedway. Nevertheless, um, it was it was a great race. Uh, the, the two mile layout here always produces great racing, and, and yesterday was no different. Uh, three hours, eight minutes, five seconds to, to run the advertised distance of 400 miles. It's 200 laps around a two-mile track for anybody who wants to do the math. Ross Chastain won stage number one. He also won stage number two, but he didn't win stage number three, and that's the one that matters. Kyle Busch, uh, who started mid-pack, I believe, um, drives to the front, uh, just a fast Lucas Oil Chevrolet. Um, Chase Elliott finishes second, drives back from the 33rd position. Um, and then it was all track house, uh, finishing three and four. Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, uh, all Chevrolet in the top four. Uh, track house racing showed once again that they're very fast. You know, we saw, saw, uh, flashes of it at Daytona. We've seen flashes of it here. And, and I can only expect that those two drivers will be running near the front next week when we go to Las Vegas. But overall, a, um, a great race to finish out the uh, the two mile layout configuration at, at the Auto Club Speedway. Uh, we've been been coming here since 1997. Jeff Gordon won the inaugural race. Uh, Mark Martin won the uh, won the second race ever at this racetrack. Um, but it's been it's been a lot of Chevrolets ever since. Uh, and um, it's I, I hate to see a track that's been so good to Chevrolet go away. <laughs> hey it doesn't hurt my feelings at all okay <laughs> fair enough there you go chevy 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 top four like i said kevin harvick fifth uh denny hamlin and toyota six brad keselowski who really ran well in this uh in the race yeah. uh seventh uh alex bowman austin Dillon eighth and ninth and chevy's and then joey logano america's team joey logano uh finishing 10th in uh the blue oval Dude, we knew. I mean, you said it going into the season, even when it was announced that uh, Kyle Busch was, we knew he was going to run pretty strong. Any idea, two races into this, and I like how the Fox announcers kept saying yesterday, and it was true. At the end of the Daytona 500, 500 laps, Kyle Busch was leading last week. Now, he didn't get the win, obviously, as Ricky Stenhouse ended up getting it in overtime. But at the end of uh, 500 laps in the Daytona 500, he was leading. Obviously, he wins yesterday. Any idea, Paul Whittington, that Kyle Busch was going to have this strong of a start to his season? Well, 500 miles. Um, it was, it was 200. He was, he was leading at lap, uh, 200. Okay. Um, which, uh, which would have been the end of the Daytona 500 under the old rules without overtime, uh, but didn't, didn't get it done. Yeah. I listen, there was, um, Kyle Busch and, and Chase Elliott, uh, was, was asked kind of a similar question, uh, in the post-race stuff by, uh, uh, NASCAR and Fox's Bob Pachris after the race yesterday. And, this shouldn't come as, as a surprise to anybody, but you know Kyle Busch hadn't won on pavement in a year and a half. Uh, the last win that he had, the only win that he had last year, came on the dirt in in Bristol, and uh, he steps into a ride this year to a car that that won three races last year. Remember this uh, this car was driven by Tyler Reddick last year, went to Victory Lane on three different occasions, uh, so it's no surprise that he's stepping into good equipment, but. 
you know, you look at how competitive he was, not just him, but, you know, RCR in general, how competitive they were a few weeks ago at the LA Coliseum. Then you look at how competitive both those race cars were last week at, um, at Daytona. And it's no surprise that, or it shouldn't be a surprise that somebody takes somebody like Kyle Busch, that is the pedigree of a driver that he hit, that he is, is able to take a race car, uh, that's, you know, at, at best second tier equipment and drive it to the front and win races. That's the, nobody should be surprised by that. I, I, I don't think it was if Kyle Busch wins in 2023, I think it was when Kyle Busch wins in 2023. And I, and I'm not surprised to see it get done this soon. Well, uh, I like what you said there and it was no disrespect to RCR, but they are sort of yeah. a second tier type program. And again, like I said, no, I'm listen, not that anybody from, you know, Richard Childress racing listens to this show, <laughs> but they might, but anyway, my point being, I mean, they, it is, it's not a Hendrick. It's not, uh, Penske. Right. You know, I mean, it is, it's that second tier. I mean, it now, like you said, one races last year, they're capable of winning, but it just makes you wonder. And again, I am zero. I am no fan of Kyle Busch whatsoever. I, I've ne- I just can't. I mean, I, after watching that NASCAR unscripted series about race to the championship last year, and you getting to see him a little bit behind the scenes and it just, it, it, all it did was exacerbate my feelings about him. Okay. Because I didn't like yeah. him in the first place. Then you saw what a selfish, it, I remember one of the things in it, this was towards the middle of the season. He still hadn't, you know, uh, Joe Gibbs hadn't re-signed him, and it was looking like he was definitely not going to come back. And they were celebrating a victory for uh, for one of the other racers. I can't even remember in Joe Gibbs. And they've got a – he's sitting upstairs while they're celebrating downstairs, and he's scoffing at him and making fun of them <laughs> as they're downstairs yeah. celebrating. And it just – I don't know, man. It just – like I said, it just – all it did was make me realize that me not being a fan of Kyle Busch was a good thing because I just can't stand him. But, dude – I think about Kyle Busch the same way I think about LeBron James that I think about, uh, I don't know. Uh, I was never, well, I, I kind of like Derek Jeter, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? These players that you're not a fan of, or these athletes that you're not a fan of, but by God, you got to respect them, man, because I mean, he is a hell of a race car driver, isn't he? He is. He is. Uh, he, he can drive the wheels off of anything. Um, and, and we've seen that time and time again from him. Uh, I, I admittedly, I, I like Kyle Busch a lot more uh, in a in a uh, Chevrolet than, uh, I, than I do in his in his time <laughs> in a Toyota. Uh, he's just he's he's good for the sport, you know. Whether whether we like him or not, he's he's good for the sport, and uh, he's um he's he's definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer, no question about it. He's got two championships. He's got more than two hundred wins across the three national series, uh, the, the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series. Uh, he is. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and the sport is better with him in it. Um, that being said, you know he is he is uh, NASCAR's curmudgeon. You know we 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 talk about it a lot. His his personality, his attitude, and and we saw some of that that kind of change a little bit last year as as he was going through the um, the uncertainty about where he was going to drive in 2023. Was he going to be with Toyota? Was he going to get sponsorships? He was having a maybe market himself just a, a little bit differently than what we're used to seeing uh, in the M&M's colors. And, and I think now he's at a place where he can get back to a little bit of that. But, you know, Clint Boyer on the broadcast yesterday called this out perfectly. Um, when he stepped out of the race car, he wasn't met with a bunch of boos. He was met with a bunch of cheers. And, and that's not, that's not normal for, for NASCAR fans and, and for Kyle Busch. And uh, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that this is a man that they got humbled last year and people just are able to stomach him a little bit better behind the wheel of, of a Richard Childress racing Chevrolet. But, um, Oh, going back to the second tier program, you know, Mark and I talked about this on, on Friday on his show, him and I have, have kind of set, you know, Joe, we, we have conversations about Joe Gibbs is the top tier Toyota team. Uh, Penske is the top tier Ford team and Hendrick is the top tier Chevrolet team. Uh, and there's a current debate about who is that kind of second, who is, who is the top second tier Chevrolet team. Uh, I, I think right now it's track house racing, but I think with Kyle Bush at RCR, 
maybe they can be a little bit better than track house. Dude, I think that's definitely a possibility. Here's the thing, and and I watch body language. I watch, uh, you know, the way teammates, you know, in other sports. Here's what, and I messaged you yesterday. You and I were messaging pretty hard, hot and heavy back and forth those final 10, 12 laps of the race yesterday. And again, that voice you listen to is Paul Whittington. He's our NASCAR expert uh, here on the Brian Hanks Show this morning. And you saw the the dry, or the uh, the team run across the you know the infield to go congratulate Kyle Busch, but this is the thing I hope people notice. And you know, a lot of times when a team, I mean, they're sprinting across and they'll pick the driver up and hug him, and you know, and they'll be talking to each other. Did you? And I I was watching for this, Paul, and I noticed it. Everybody just kind of touched hands with him. It didn't seem to be any real emotion, dude. It was just, oh, uh, you know, hey, congratulations. And then they ran off completely. I mean, nobody hung around. Usually they'll hang around for a little bit. They all ran back to uh, something told me. I guess where I'm going at with this, Paul, is he's never really been popular with his uh with his crews through the years because he'll throw them under the bus in a heartbeat. He'll do it over the radio. He'll do it in post-race interviews. I mean, he is the classic, Hey, we won because of me. And you know, maybe he'll, you know, I had pretty good equipment, but you know what? We won because I'm such a great driver, but if they lose, well, you know what? Uh, wish we'd have had a better car. You know, I'd like to have given the sponsors a better race, but you know, blah, blah, blah. Dude, and I know this is a new crew. I know all that, but dude, they, they, it almost looks like they're already ready for those when he the first time a piece of equipment fails on him, dude. Yeah, maybe I, I saw that celebration a little bit differently. Uh, I hear what <laughs> okay. you're saying. Um, first of all, uh, you're 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 not going to run over there and pick up Kyle Busch. <laughs> That's a big guy. Yeah, but okay, let me. Uh, but if Chase yeah, had right. won that, if Chase had won that race. And it was the same kind. I don't know. Uh, dude, if Daniel Suarez had won that race, you don't think the track people would have ran over there and picked him up and be scuffing his hair and congratulations and showing him true love instead of that little forced forced affection well, I, that, uh, <laughs> that Kyle Busch's crew gave him? I, I, I think every team celebrates differently. <laughs> um, I also, you know, I mean, even even going back to Kyle Busch's days at, at Hendrick Motorsports, there was never any any crews that go went over there and just picked him up and put him on his shoulders, uh, and that was before he had the the reputation that he has. But ne- nevertheless, it's also like you're now Kyle Busch is not the the boss and direct manager of the the people on uh, on the pit crew, but it's kind of like. You got the new boss, and it's the first celebration that you have with the new boss, and you don't really know how to react yet. How do we how do we go about doing this? This this guy's got a little bit of a reputation. How do we how do we congratulate him? All this kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I I that's kind of the way all all of his crews have have celebrated with him, um, and it's it's rare. It's more prevalent today, and it's I think it's still very new that the crew actually runs out to the start and finish line. But then they have to hurry up and get back um, because they they do have to start packing things up. They have to get to victory lane and all that kind of stuff. It's it's rare that the crew actually stay out there and celebrate with them. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. pre-race yesterday talked about his crew celebrating with them at the Daytona 500, and they all ran out there and they were they were all giddy and and that was a big win for them because they don't go to victory lane very often. Um, and one of his crew members was like, "Let's let's all climb the fence." And so Stenhouse is like, yeah, let's, great, let's do it. And he starts climbing the fence, and he gets about halfway up, and he turns around, and his crew members are gone, and they've returned to pit road. Dude. It almost makes you wonder if somebody from NASCAR is saying, all right, guys, you got to get back. <laughs> I knew we would see it differently, but it's all good. I just, like <laughs> I said, dude, I've watched a ton of those, you know, post-race celebrations, and they all, you know, they didn't really sprint across. They kind of run across, and I swear, I know it was probably Richard Childress saying, "Go on, go on, congratulate him." They were all just very muted, just you know, uh, you know, pounding each other. Maybe a couple of high fives. No real emotion. It is what it is. You know what? He won the race. That's all that matters, dude. We're two races into this thing, and like I said, I mean, Kyle Busch has already shown he's a, a force to be contended with, dude. Mm-hmm. And dude, we're two races into a, what, a 32, 33 race schedule, whatever it is. 
but he's got to be considered one of the favorites for the championship this year, don't you think? I think he's got to be. And, and you know, not to discredit Austin Dillon at all, but I think he's RCR's best chance at, at winning another championship. Um, you know, Tyler Reddick was, was part of the mix last year. Um, he, he made it to, I believe, the round of eight. I don't think he was in the, the round of four. Uh, made it to the round of eight. We know that that car and that team is capable of winning. Um, and like I said, you know, having Kyle Busch in that seat elevates that that ability, right? Um, I I think he's got to be one of the top five favorites right now. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Well, I mean, I know. Listen, talk about a small sample size. We're two races into the uh, into the season. Ross Chastain in first place. Joey Logano, who had another great run yesterday, in second. Bowman third, Kevin Harvick fourth, Daniel Suarez fifth. So kind of like what you were saying about Trackhouse. Uh, first and fifth in the sa- – again, dude, don't get it twisted. Small, small, small sample size, but still uh, Trackhouse first and fifth, uh, Logano uh, in second. I mean, this is uh, – it, it's going to show – I think this is going to be a, a, a very good season, dude. I think so. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about parity in this sport. Um, and, and wanting to establish parity with with this next gen race car, and you know we saw a little bit of that last year with 19 different uh, winners going to victory lane. Uh, I I think this season has just as just as the same capability as being as exciting as, as 2022 was. Um, but I think we've learned more about these race cars and and some of these veterans that struggled out of the gate with these next gen race cars like Kyle Busch, like Kevin Harvick are already showing a lot of speed this year. So I, I think once the, once the veterans and stuff are, are able to, to get a real grasp on this, um, on this next gen race car, which it looks like they have watch out because, because they're, they're going to be forces to be reckoned with. And, and we saw a little bit of that yesterday out of Kevin Harvick. He, he showed a lot of speed yesterday and was, was up there battling for the lead at times. And, and to your point earlier, Brad Keselowski running near the front, they've, they've had a great run. One, one driver I saw yesterday that, that had a really great run, spent pretty much all afternoon in the top 15, was Corey LaJoy yeah. in, that, in that number seven car. Uh, and he's currently 13th in points, had a great run at Daytona, had a great run yesterday. Uh, that, that's a team that excites me a little bit because Corey LaJoy is, is somebody who, who is good for the sport. His name's been thrown around as somebody that, that could step into the four car next year when, when Kevin Harvick is retired. Um, keep your eye on him. I, I think he's going to have a really good season. He he's a good driver. He's just uh, still searching for his first win, but he is he is at a team that just doesn't have as much funding as the rest of us, or the rest of the, as the others. <laughs> I like, like. Wait a minute. Are you driving in NASCAR yeah, now, Brad? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Choice, bad choice of words. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Paul Whittington joining us this morning. He's our regular Monday guest. Uh, we're talking a little NASCAR now. We're going to get ready to do a little preview. But let me thank uh, Spence Automotive. Uh, Paul is joining us on the Spence Automotive guest line. Spence Automotive is where I get my car service. Is where you should go to. Located at 603 Plaza Boulevard in the old Firestone building next to the Piggly Wiggly and Big Lots. Spence Automotive is owned by my good friend and local sports running legend Keith Spence. Open Monday through Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Spence Automotive takes care of all your car care needs and also sells great tires, too. Give Keith a call at Spence Automotive at 252-686-5011 the next time you need your car service or when you need new tires, and tell him the Brian Hank Show sent you. And again, thank you to uh, Keith for uh, sponsoring the show. He's one of our day one guys, and uh, again, the sponsor of our Spence Automotive Guest Line, which is what we go back to now for uh, our visit, our weekly visit with Paul Whittington. And uh, so uh, anything else you want to say about uh, Fontana? Uh, can we go ahead and segue into next week's race? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and look at next week. Penzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube is uh, at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, the race is going to be at 3.30. Uh, we can watch it on Fox. And uh, just uh, some of the favorites. And I, I've done a horrible job, man. I know we're only two races in. You and I, I was trying going to try to get all my guests all, every week to make the predictions. I think either I'm going to have to flip you to Friday to do that or maybe have you do like a little five-minute appearance on Fridays for the this because it's, it's way too early in the freaking week to try yeah. to be picking winners right now. Don't you agree? I I do agree. We don't even have the entry list yet for, <laughs> for, the, for the upcoming race. 
There you go. But uh, Las Vegas. Uh, now, I, you know, I'm an old school NASCAR people. As people who know who listen to this, listen. I think uh, NASCAR starts and ends in North Wilkesboro, Martinsville, and Darlington, and Rockingham, and Charlotte. And if you notice, all those are Virginia and North Carolina and South Carolina tracks. <laughs> but there, if there's one I don't mind, though, Paul, and I mean it sincerely, it's Las Vegas. There's always good racing there. It seems like the drivers really enjoy being there. Maybe it's just, you know, the whole specter of Vegas itself. But, dude, I, I haven't minded Vegas being added to the uh, to the NASCAR circuit or the NASCAR schedule. I think it's a great market for the sport. It's a great market for professional sports. Um, it's, uh, it's in a really cool area. It's right at the end of the runway there at Nellis Air Force Base, home of the Thunderbirds. Um, and, and it produces great racing. It's, it's one of the, one of the mile and a half racetracks that we go to that's actually before the next gen car was actually exciting. Um, you know, the, the mile and a half had gotten a little stale right there at the, at kind of the, the end of the, the, the end of the life of those gen six cars. Now we're, now we're in the next gen race cars and they've brought a little bit of life back to the mile and a half, but Las Vegas has always been an exciting racetrack. It's, it's been a good racetrack. It's a playground for Ford. I know you're going to love that this weekend. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I like going to this track, and I'm glad that we go to it twice a year now. You know, back going going back to 2018, we added it as a playoff race. And um, I, I enjoy coming here. I think this is one of those places that is, is good for the sport. It's one of those places that, you know, when NASCAR decided to move out west, they opened up the Las Vegas Motor Speedway and um, – Hopefully it's it's around for for a long time because this is a really 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 good racetrack and this is also kind of the kind of really the first week of the season where we're going to hit an intermediate track and we're really going to see what people have uh, in terms of just raw speed. Give us three favorites. I mean, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I'd like to think one of the three would win, but if you were putting your hard earned money down and uh, you know picking one of these drivers. Uh, to win Las Vegas, who who would be your your big three, Paul Whittington? Uh, Joey Logano, Joey Logano, and Joey Logano. Uh, this is, <laughs> yes, this, yeah. This is a this is a playground for him. He's won three of the last eight races here. Uh, that that team always shows up because their main sponsor, Pennzoil, is the main sponsor of the event this weekend. The Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube. Uh, they always run well here. They won this race a year ago. Like I said, they've won three of the last eight at this racetrack. Joey just runs well at Las Vegas, but um, I guess if I had to pick another driver, um, I, you know, you got You got to throw Kyle Busch's name out there. He is from Las Vegas, um, and there's certainly a, a lot of motivation to go out here and win, although he's never won at this racetrack. Uh, nope, check that. He did win in 2009, um, but he hasn't won here in a very long time, so Put, put Kyle Busch up there as well. And then um, I, I'd maybe go uh, Kyle Larson as well. He typically runs well here. Got a win here in 2021. Uh, that, that five car is always fast on the mile and a half. So um, Joey Logano first, uh, and then uh, second and third, Kyle Busch uh, and Kyle Larson. There you go. What about uh, somebody outside the uh... – outside you know that that top five top ten maybe a, who would be your dark horse that you know most people wouldn't think would win yeah that's a that's a good question um whew, that's uh maybe christopher bell okay um yeah i i'd I maybe put christopher bell in the mix um you know toy toyota's run run well here they've got they've got a couple wins to their name uh all, all coming out of the joe gibbs racing stable uh, and we've we've seen the kind of talent and speed that Christopher Bell can have. I, I'd maybe put him as a dark horse candidate this weekend. Well, there you go. Uh, let's see. We've got about about six and a half minutes left here in your visit. Uh, let's switch over to uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. And this tells you all you need to do, uh, all you need to know about the Hurricanes. Check this out for size, dude. They, you know they've got three games coming up this week: Wednesday at Vegas, Friday at Arizona, Sunday home versus Tampa Bay. How about this, uh, Paul Whittington? Two of those three games on nationally televised, uh, <laughs> nationally televised networks. TNT this Wednesday, TNT on Sunday, dude. That as much as anything tells you how good this team is this year. If they're putting it on nationally tele, uh, nationally televised broadcasts, right? Yeah, it's um, you know, I I love it, but I hate it at the same time. I love it because that means that the Hurricanes are just naturally getting more 
more national attention. And, and I love it because at least one of these is going to be at home. We typically haven't gotten a lot of, a lot of those home nationally televised broadcasts, but um, I, I hate it because, you know, the Hurricanes don't have a great record on national television. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully that's behind us. Different team, different, different scenario. So um, maybe, maybe they can go out there and get a couple of wins in front of a national audience uh, this, this week and into the weekend. Well, let's uh, get caught up a little bit on them. Since the last time we talked, they were 2-1, and one, uh, but had that five-game uh, winning streak snapped on Saturday when they were at home against Anaheim, a 3-2 to two loss, and just another one of those that I got to tell you, dude, it just it, it blows my mind. They play Boston, and they beat Boston you know, as well as they did, what, a couple of weeks ago or whatever, and then you play an Anaheim yeah. team that is in last place that only has 45 points. It's 19-34-7. and seven. And you lose it. I just, I don't get it, dude. I mean, help explain that to me. I mean, you beat the, the teams that, uh, you know, that you would think you don't have much of a chance. And they went in as an overwhelming favorite Saturday and they lose to, uh, Anaheim. Please, Paul Whittington, explain this to me. Any given day in the national hockey league. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you know, the, um, w- one thing that I love about this league and it's, and it's one of those things that makes the Stanley cup one of the most difficult trophies to win in sports any given day uh the the top team is susceptible to losing to the to the bottom team unfortunately that's happened now twice this year because the canes uh have been swept by the anaheim ducks this year you go back to december 6th it was a four to three loss in overtime to the ducks one of those games that the canes should win um and just haven't been able to get it done this year against against the ducks it is what it is but um it's uh it's tough to make sense. I, I guess you know if you're if you're going to find some justification, uh, you can you can look no further than this was a back to back for for the Canes. They go out and dominate the the Senators on Friday night, uh, and then have to turn around and play the next day against uh, against an Anaheim team that has nothing to lose. Right? Um, they they can just go out there and and match match you physically, match you for match you for speed. Um, then they get to rest and, and head on back, and they, they literally have nothing to lose. They're not going to be a playoff team, um, so they can just go out there and play play spoiler, play home record, do whatever do whatever they want. And that's what they did. Um, they just got ahead on a on a Canes team that was maybe a little tired from the night before, and uh, took advantage of it and, and walked away with the two points. What's crazy to me? I was just looking at the standings. The top t- so the top team out of the Eastern Conference is Boston. They're uh they're nine points up on the Hurricanes, and, and I'd like to see the Hurricanes get a little bit more separation over New Jersey. Only three points separate that, and the Canes do have a game in hand. The top team out of the West is Vegas with seventy six points, which is good enough for seventh in the Eastern Conference. Wow! Just shows you how good the Eastern Conference <laughs> is right now, dude. Again, and we're not going to beat this dead horse, but it just it, it, it's crazy to me when you look at their schedule and the teams they beat. And again, I mean, I'm going back to that Boston game and then the Washington game yeah. uh, that we had the honor of going to. But you you lose to Anaheim, and there was a game like that earlier this year too. Uh, that I can't even remember, but I guess they've now lost to Anaheim twice, which is insane. Yeah. They, dude, the Carolina Hurricanes could win the Stanley Cup this year, and I'd like to think they're definitely they're the second best team in the NHL. They're one of the five, or they're definitely one of the two or three best teams in the NHL right now. But they're going to remember 22-23 uh, being swept by Anaheim, dude. <laughs> it's crazy, right? They're, they're actually, uh, if you look at moneypuck.com, uh, the Canes are actually the favorite right now to win the Stanley Cup. Wow. Uh, moneypuck.com gives them a 16.9% chance of winning the Stanley Cup, the team that would be second in that. Uh, it would be the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they give them a 13.1% chance of making the cup. But right now, they, the Canes are one of the, one of the few teams. I actually think they might be the, uh, no, they're the second team. So Boston and the Canes, uh, are given a 100% chance to make the playoffs. Um, and then the, the Canes have the, are currently the, the favorite right now to win the cup. Well, there you go. Well, listen, uh, Paul. I appreciate you, and and when I say I say this sincerely, thank you for uh, sending me the news or messaging me the yeah. news about Terry Holland passing. I, I would have, 
I'd have been upset if I'd have gone a whole two hours and uh, not, you know, I'm serious. So sincerely, thank yeah, you for yeah. uh, sending that to me. Uh, Greg Clemens has sent in something. Maybe I'll try to get to that in a little bit too. But uh, Paul, you rock, my friend. And uh, let's try to get the picks thing going. Maybe on Friday, I'll, I'll pull you up for about five minutes and we'll get your pick then. What do you think? That'll work. I like it. Paul, you're the best, man. Talk to you soon, dude. All right, man. That's yep. Paul Whittington, our uh, NASCAR NHL Carolina Hurricanes expert. As we're wrapping up the first hour of today's show, man, coming up next, I am so pumped for this. Derek Rivers live right here in our plush wallet studio here on Whitehall Drive. On and uh, along, it's a secret with Lydia Rivers coming up on the Brian Hanks Show presented by Lenore Community College. <laughs> 